Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. just want to say I'm blessed to be a part of this church. I'm thankful. Um, it's a really good place that you're in right now. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, so I'm going to put to rest all of your biblical interpretation questions today. <laughs> just all of them. I'm going to teach you personally how to apply every scripture to your life. Um, you'll never have another question about the Bible after today. Uh, no, <laughs> not really. Um, I do think we're going to talk about um, the most important thing to know when we're reading scripture. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just feeling really blessed today. Praise the Lord. Um, so if you will turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter five, John chapter five. Um, and here Jesus is getting grilled by the Pharisees. Um, they're really, uh, you know, turning up the heat on him. Um, and the, they're angry because Jesus is making himself equal with God. Um, he is saying some pretty bold, audacious things. Um, just in this one chapter, Jesus says things like, just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. And he also says, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that, he, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. He also says in this one chapter, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear the son of man's voice and will come out. And those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. He's talking about himself saying, I'm going to call and even the dead are going to hear my voice and they're going to rise. Right. These are huge statements. Right. And the Pharisees are being driven nuts. Like, they're so mad. We wonder, like, why Jesus was crucified. Like, this, this was their reason for that, because he claimed to be equal with God. This is it. Then in this, uh, in this chapter, Jesus gives a defense for who he is. Jesus lets him know, this is, I, I am who I say I am. We're going to be reading John chapter 5, starting in verse 31. Jesus says, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. What in the world? That's strange. <laughs> right? Jesus just said, I have all authority and power to judge the living and the dead. But if I'm talking about myself, like my testimony is not true. Like that's confusing, <laughs> right? That's weird. <laughs> Sometimes like things we read in scripture are weird. Um, Jesus is not saying that he doesn't have authority to speak about things, right? <laughs> um, this, is, uh, this is a hearkening to Jewish law. Um, Jesus is uh, t talking about the rule that God established through Moses that a person in a court of law could not simply just testify about himself and let that be enough. Because the thought was, if a person was creative enough and persuasive enough, that they could make people really believe anything about a particular situation, right? They needed at least two witnesses, maybe three witnesses, to establish the facts about any particular case, right? Um, and this was a rule that was made 
by the Lord through Moses a thousand years earlier in the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. Um, and this is really cool, actually. This one tiny little phrase right here is super cool because Jesus is not dismissing people who say, I need more evidence. People are not, dis he's not dismissing people who say, I have doubts. I have questions, right? And if you're here today, Jesus is not dismissing you for that. Amen. And I think sometimes we as Christians can be dismissive of people who say, I need some evidence. I need some more information about this, right? I've personally heard the phrase, um, the reason there's no evidence about Jesus is because God wants you to believe in blind faith. And if you're not believing completely out of faith, then God can't work through you, right? And that's just not true. There is evidence for Jesus as the eternal life, as the Messiah, as the Lord that was crucified and was raised from the dead, Amen. right? There is evidence for it. And Jesus is going to lay it out in this chapter. I'm super excited. Here we go. <laughs> the next verse. There is another who testifies in my favor. And I know that his testimony is about me is true. You have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you might be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. And then he started talking about me, and you're like, well, John, we don't like you anymore. <laughs> right? So number one, Jesus is saying, John the Baptist, who you took his word on so many things. You were disciples of John the Baptist, and he testified that what I'm saying is true and that I am the Christ. Next verse here, verse 36. I have a testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the father has given me to finish. The very works that I am doing testify that the father has sent me. What are the works that Jesus is doing? There's miracles happening all over the place, right? The sick are being healed. The lame are walking again. The dead are being raised, right? Massive things are happening, right? And this is a testimony to the fact that Jesus is the one that everyone has been waiting for. This is the testimony. That's what Jesus is saying. The works that I'm doing, the purpose for those works are to testify that I am who I say I am. And if we open up scripture and look at the miracles and all we get out of it is how do I pray so that I can do miracles like Jesus did? We're missing the point of the miracles in scripture. The main reason for the miracles is the stamp of approval on Jesus's life. It's to point us to the fact that Jesus is the son of God. Next verse and the father who has sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. This is the big one. This is the big one. Number one, John testifies. Number two, I'm doing miracles. But number three, God the Father 
testifies about me in scripture that you know so well. You read it searching for life, but nothing stuck. He says, God's word doesn't dwell in you, even though you know it. Memorization of God's word does not mean that the word dwells in you. You got to believe. You got to get the point. Jesus says, you, you looked for the eternal life that's hidden in the scriptures and you missed it. You missed me. How audacious is it that Jesus says the entire book of Moses, the law, the prophets, everything that you know, that's all about me. That's huge, right? And we can kind of get a picture for why people are so mad at him, right? I mean, everything I've, I've been taught since I was a boy, you're saying is all about you. It is. It is. But honestly, if we look closely, we'll see it on every single page. We see it on every single page. In Genesis, Adam and Eve sin. And God tells Eve that from her offspring, someone will come to crush the head of the snake. That's the first prophecy of hundreds Hundreds of prophecies that point to Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus is the promised descendant of Abraham through which God is going to bless the whole world. That whole covenant is about Jesus blessing the entire world through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob. He's the fulfillment of that. In Exodus, the people are saved from destruction by sacrificing the Passover lamb as a picture of what's to come. It's the first thing John the Baptist cries out when he sees Jesus. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We talk about John testifying of Jesus. John was pointing to Jesus and saying, that's the Passover lamb that God talked about in Exodus. The most important prophet to the Pharisees was Moses. They called the first five books of the Bible, the, the books of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, known as the Torah. He not only wrote a history of creation, but of God's, first interactions with people. He wrote down the law, which the Pharisees tried to, tried to, to follow as rigorously as possible. Jesus says, but do not think I will accuse you before the father. Your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, You would believe me for he wrote about me. Moses wrote about Jesus, but since you don't believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Right? He's pushing buttons. That's what he's doing. (laughs) Biblical scholars say there's about 300 prophecies in the old Testament that Jesus fulfills. 300. 300. Here's just a few. He's born in Bethlehem, coming from the tribe of Judah, 
being a descendant of David, the virgin birth, fleeing from Egypt, preceded by John the Baptist, performing miracles, speaking in parables that end up falling on deaf ears. That is in the Old Testament. He's a stone that causes the people to stumble. He's despised and rejected, proclaiming freedom to the captives, drawing all people to himself, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, betrayed for 30 pieces of scripture is in Zach. I'm sorry. (laughs) Betrayed for 30 pieces of silver is in Zechariah 11. That's very specific. (laughs) None of his bones were broken, casting lots for his garments, that he was quiet before his accusers, that he was wounded for our sin, whipped for our healing, abandoned by his friends, ascended into heaven, giving gifts to his people, conquering death and ushering in a new covenant. Not only that, Jesus points to stories in the Old Testament. And he says, that story was about me. John 3, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. You know, that's that, that obscure story in scripture where they make a bronze serpent and lift it up so that everybody could be healed from this, you know, this disease, this plague that's in scripture because I'm supposed to fulfill it. He says in John six, our ancestors ate the man. This is the people asking him. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus replies back. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Right? Jesus is not hiding from this, this claim that he is the Messiah. The entire story of scripture is pointing to one thing. Jesus. The entire Old Testament, story after story, picture after picture of God reconciling his people back to himself, forgiving the people who've broken his holy law, right? The atoning sacrifice of blood being shed. It's all about Jesus, right? We have four gospel accounts of his life. We we need to see it from four different perspectives because it's that important, right? Of his birth his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, right? His preaching, his sermons, his life with his disciples, his ascension into heaven, right? It's all focused about Jesus. Acts through revelation, the rest of scripture, right? Is dealing with the ripple effect of what Jesus did, right? (laughs) It's explaining and living out this new eternal life in Christ. The Bible's centered around Jesus. It's all about him. It's an invitation to love him, to honor him, to adore him, to behold him for who he is, to worship him, to be with him. That's the point. So the question is, will we recognize Jesus when we read this book? Are we going to recognize him? The Pharisees had the whole of the Old Testament committed to memory, studied from from a young child, right? 
They're seeking after eternal life. And yet they still miss Jesus. And we have more scripture than they did. And we can still make the same mistake today. We can read this book as something else and miss Jesus. We'll read the Bible as a, as a guideline for good behavior. It becomes a measuring stick to see if we're, we're doing well enough, right? Or make us feel like we're doing well. Or we'll use it to try to change somebody else's behavior, right? We'll use it to try to shame our kids into good behavior, right? The Bible says. Maybe we'll use it to prove to ourselves that we're closer to other people, closer to God than other people are, right? We'll read the Bible and we'll go, I know somebody else who's not following that. We'll start to see other people in the scripture of like, oh man, they really need to hear that. If we actually got a complete view of scripture, we'd, we'd realize we're actually in really big trouble if we use this for behavior modification. Like, cause it's not a list of, of tiny alterations to our life that we need to make, right? The biblical standard for holiness, a holy quote, good enough life is the glory of God right? The standard is so high. We can't even see it from where we're standing. That's not what the Bible's about. Thankfully. Hey, that's good news. Like that's gospel. Good news. Maybe we'll read the Bible. Skim it for tips, right? Skim it for good advice. These are articles, 15 happiness tips from the Bible, 10 biblical tips for making the best use of time, top product productivity tips from the Bible. <laughs> I love productivity. <laughs> Seven practical money tips from the Bible. 10 great Bible verses for when you need divine financial success, right? Here's some scriptures for Christians to hold on to when you're broke. (laughs) Uh, Any authors in the room? Here's some writing tips from the Bible. What writers can learn from the best-selling book in history? (laughs) A four-minute read. Seven biblical secrets to business success. <laughs> Teenagers? Dating, dating tips from the Bible? Anybody need that? Yeah. <laughs> Seven truly amazing health tips from the Bible. Six tips from scripture for success. Follow these six steps from the Bible to accomplish your goals. Scripture is not written so that you can accomplish your goals. That is not the reason that we have the word of God. The Bible's not written so that you can slay your giants. It's not written so that you can make your Jericho walls fall down. Right? We are not the main character of the Bible. It's Jesus. 
Jesus is the main character of the Bible. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying that we shouldn't glean as much as we can from the Bible and get wisdom and revelation from the Bible about how to live our lives, right? This Bible introduces us to the Lord and it's a good thing to listen to the counsel of the Lord. It's a good thing to, to adjust our lives. We're saying that this thing is like a blade cut straight through us, right? It's good to get surgery from this thing, right? But that's not the reason we have scripture so that we can change our life bit by bit. We have this book because it's an invitation from God into the kingdom, into the family. It's an invitation to be with him. And the only way to the father is through his son. Jesus is, is not shy about the exclusivity of that claim. Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. It's the primary message of scripture. Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the fulfillment of everything God spoke to the prophets. And if we're reading this book and not falling more in love with Jesus, we're missing the point. I, I love I loved the worship set this morning, focused, lock-eyed with Jesus. That's what heaven is like. All of heaven has his eyes on the lamb, the only one worthy to open the scrolls, the only one worthy, right? <laughs> he, he is the precious lamb of God that all of heaven beholds and adores. Come let us behold him in this book right here not just in the gospels, not just in the red letters on every single page. Let's behold him. Let's see him for who he is. We're going to be going through scripture as a church next year. I am so excited. Um, reading through the Bible in, in 2021 was I, the absolute best thing that I did. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to do it in 2022. Um, can I see that book there? So we have a specific reading plan so that we're all like together. I'm so excited. If you want a physical copy of the reading plan that we're going through, we have these here. Um, it's absolutely awesome. Um, there's space in the margins for, for notes, um, big old margins. It's great. Um, careful though, the printed words are the words of Jesus and the words that you wrote are not divinely inspired. So just a heads up on that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, um, we have it here. If you want it, like if you want the scripture that we're supposed to read for the, for the day emailed to you every day, you can sign up for that and you could just get it in your email box every single day. Um, we all, there's an app where you just open up the app and it's the first thing that shows up is the reading for the day. Yep. We got it open right there. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, absolutely. <laughs> Here I am pausing. Cause I'm sure the senior pastor has something really important to interject. <laughs> absolutely. 
<laughs> cool. We have, um, uh, so there's the plan that gets you through the whole Bible in a year. Um, we also have a plan for youth so that it's, it's condensed so that they can follow along with us in the same spot. Um, and if you're, um, if you want just the highlights of, of the key portions of what we're going through, there's an express plan too. So there's three plans to make sure like our whole community can go through. And I know for me with Bible reading plans, like there can be some shame involved of like, oh, I missed this and I missed that. And, you know, I didn't, whatever, um, we can be box checkers as, as Kathy was, <laughs> was calling it. Um, and, and I would encourage you. Um, the, the point is not completion. The point is not achievement, right? The point is a building a habit of falling in love with Jesus every day through his word, right? So, um, if you missed three days and you're like, I don't even want to like open up the word because I have so much to do and I don't have enough time to catch up and all of that. Like, that's not the point, right? O open it up, start from where we're at, right? <laughs> and Catch, catch the days that you, that you missed next year when we go through it again, you know, <laughs> like it's okay. <laughs> um, the, the point is that, that we're, we're falling in love with Jesus when we read the Bible. So, um, oh man, as we go through this plan together, we need to be praying every day. God, don't let me search the scripture for eternal life and end up with none of your word in me. Right. And, and Jesus says the litmus test of that is, do you believe, do you believe in Jesus? You have the word of God in you. If you believe Jesus, you have the word of God in you. If you're in agreement with him as the Messiah and as Lord of all, we need to be praying, God, where are you in this passage that I'm reading? God, show me more about your character in what I'm reading today. God, help me see Jesus in this chapter. God, help me to hear what you're actually saying. Why is this in your word? What open up my ears to hear what you're saying. God, help me to fall more in love with you as I read this today. God, help me be filled with awe and adoration the same awe and adoration that the angels feel right now as they see you, the same awe and adoration that the shepherds felt as they gathered around the wise men everywhere. Jesus went just jaws dropped on the floor, right? Help me to help God help my worship to be on an honest an honest reaction and response to you rather than something I fake and put on. Help me to worship you for what I really saw. Help me to worship you for, for a real revelation. I want this to stick. I want this to make an imprint on my heart, an imprint on my mind, on my emotions, on my actions. Change me. Praise the Lord.